Hey, I'm Steph. I'm Alex. And this is Not Today. And we're live. Hello. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm better. You are better right now. <laughs> I've got a bellyache. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is what happens when you eat six beets, Queen. I ate too many beets, and I learned the hard way that you shouldn't eat too many beets. Yeah. Beets in a bag. Don't don't eat six of them. <laughs> All you right. Know? <laughs> I don't want to expose myself too much, but I, I did eat too many beets. Well, hey, they were from Costco. It was a good deal. You know? Somebody <laughs> yeah. had to eat them. Did we have to eat them all at once? And by we, I mean me. No, no. but I did. And here we are. Um, how are you doing? What's up? I have no, I have literally nothing interesting. Oh, that's great uh, for a podcast. To, Thank you. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but anyway, why don't we just jump into the story? Yeah, enough with us. <laughs> We're going to be talking about a bear attack. Okay. Yeah, it's going to get really crazy up in here in a, just a few minutes. Okay. I mean, bears don't fuck around. What kind of bear? Grizzly. Okay. Do you have well, anything I'm to like, say about I'm, that or is... <laughs> I mean... <laughs> You're just... Okay. okay. I'm preparing myself for what the attack is going to be like. It's you know, a bear it's attack. It's going to be bad. Yeah. They're grizzly, big. grizzly bears are... Are they like the worst one? I think black bears are less bad than grizzlies, right? I think they're smaller and I don't think they fuck with people as much. Uh, grizzlies? But no, black bears. Oh, yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. and then But polar bears are the worst. Yes. Well, we know that. Yeah. We know that. But yeah, we're dealing with a grizzly, which is the worst of the non-polar bears, I suppose. True. If that can be a yeah. category. Anyway, we're going to go back to September of 1995. 18-year-old Bram Schaefer had just graduated from high school. So his father, Dennis, brought him, his brother, and some friends out to Horseshoe Mountain in Montana to hunt some elk. Hell yeah. Dennis and one of Bram's friend's fathers had decided they wanted to take one more trip together out there before the boys all moved out. Dennis said his kids were going from boyhood to manhood, so he felt like it was important for them to learn from their father. Although after a week out there hunting together, they hadn't shot anything. They hadn't even seen an elk. And this is why I couldn't hunt. No, this is not the uh, sport for me. Which no. is, it's like fishing. You just got to sit there and do nothing until something happens. And then you mm -hmm. got to do something. But you're waiting a long time. Mm. Anyway, the mountain rises to 10,000 feet. There's no roads, only trails, and just wilderness. Rugged, rugged wilderness. September is hunting season for people and for bears, which I didn't realize. They, like, correspond, but they do. They have a season? Like a hunting season? Bears do, yeah. Oh, I thought that they kind of just had to do that all the time. Well, they do, but they like specifically ramp things up in the fall because they're going to hibernate for the winter. Oh, word. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So they're especially dangerous at this time of year. But that's, I guess, best for hunting if you're looking for bears because then they're going to be more active, but also scarier. That day was the last one of their trip, so the men climbed almost to the very top of the mountain. That way they could sweep the mountain on their way down and look out for elk. They didn't have much time, though, because a big storm was headed their way. Once they made it to the high point of their journey, they decided to spread out to cover as much ground as possible. So they'd all be kind of splitting up, but the plan was to be within a close enough range that if something happened, the others would know about it. Like they would okay. hear it, you know? They're within earshot. Within shouting distance. Yes. Yeah, okay. 
Bram chose to be at the very end of the line, and he had gone over a ridge so he wasn't in sight of the other men. Bram had taken off alone. He was very confident, he was physically strong and pretty fearless, but he was also a little naive in that right. He was only 18 years old and he was a high school football star, and he said he was a pretty cocky kid. He definitely had that nothing can kill me mentality. Bram was wearing a bright orange vest, just like the other men in his group, and while that's a good move so other hunters know not to shoot you, it also made Bram more visible to things out there that may be hunting him. After walking for quite a while, Bram still hadn't seen anything. He had seen that some elk had been through there, but he hadn't seen any actual animals. The men had planned to stay within earshot of each other, like I said, just in case something went wrong, but the other men who were with Bram were up on the top of the mountain, and Bram wanted to be on the side or lower down in the trees, so he was in a completely different area than the people he was hunting with. He ended up actually a few hundred yards away from his dad and the other hunters, and it was at that point that Bram realized that the forest was a bit too quiet. He got that weird feeling in his gut because there weren't even birds chirping or squirrels running around. He felt like there must be some kind of predator around that was making everything stand still. The hair on the back of his neck stood up, not knowing what was out there with him. As he stood there and tried to listen, all of a sudden the silence was pierced by the loud roar of a bear. Bram turned and saw a massive grizzly bear sprinting at him. Dude. Yeah. Terrifying. I mean, they're like a SUV. Yeah, they're massive. He didn't know it, but he had stumbled upon a female grizzly bear with her cub and they were feeding on an elk carcass. So he was in between them, I guess, and now she was charging at him. Yeah, I mean, there is not a worse position to be in with a bear. No. If you're stumbling upon a mama bear and her cub, you're done. But I mean, I guess not since we're talking about it. Well, there are some lucky ones, but it's a really dangerous situation to be in. Yeah. His first instinct was to just get out of her way. And he tried screaming at the bear to have it stand down, you know, because you're supposed to kind of be like, hey, bear, you know, loud in its face. But this bear could not give less of a shit about him screaming. So he ended up against a tree because the bear like charged him and pinned him up against a tree. And before he could raise his gun to shoot at it, the bear was already on him. The bear took him down to the ground almost instantly. She began tearing at his body and biting him all over. Bram was, of course, screaming, but he was out of earshot of the other hunters, like I said. So they had no idea what he was going through. They didn't hear this. No, because he was hundreds of yards away. Wow. And it's probably pretty dense forest. Yeah. You know? After a few seconds of ripping at him, the bear stopped and had its head kind of in his lap, just huffing at him, like looking at him. So Bram said he actually made eye contact with this bear, like mid-mall. And she was just standing there on top of him. And he said at that point, his temper kind of got the better of him because he felt like this bear should either eat him or get the hell off of him. So this is like the hot-headed 18-year-old coming through. So he wound back and he punched it in the nose. And then he went to punch it again with his other hand, but the bear caught his left hand in its mouth, biting through his thumb. He he punched a bear. I mean, yeah, right? What what else else are you you going to do? Yeah, I mean, it's pinning you down. The only thing you can really do is punch it. So I'm sure anyone would have done that in that moment, but it it made her mad. Well, fair enough. So as the bear continued to eat Bram, basically, 
He felt around on the ground for his gun, but when he felt it, he realized that the bear had been sitting on it with its hind legs, so he couldn't pick it up. The bear then picked him up by his leg, so he was dangling over the ground and kind of shook him as if it were a puppy with a toy in its mouth. All the time, its teeth were clamped down into Bram's leg. After shaking him for a few seconds, the bear dropped him to the ground and took a few steps away from him. It was testing to see if it had done enough damage to make him not a threat anymore, and if he stayed still, he might not have gotten attacked again. But Bram reached down for his gun, and the moment he moved, she started to run back toward him. But this time, he had his gun, and when he shot the bear, he did something very difficult to do. He killed a grizzly bear with a single shot. Really? Yep. Wow. Perfectly placed. What, like right in between the eyes? Yeah, or the heart, I guess. One of the two, but he killed it immediately. I don't know. I'm not a hunter. I'm not like a wilderness guy either. But I have heard when people talk about bears, it's it's like you can put an entire clip into them and yeah. they'll still move. Yeah, that's why it was so shocking that he killed the bear with one shot because that is not an easy thing to do. What gun did he have? Did you know? Was it like a rifle or a yeah, shotgun? It was a rifle, I, mean, I think. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Yeah, it was like, like it was a, a big hunt- rifle. It was a hunting rifle. Yes, a hunting okay. rifle, a big one. But the point was that he killed the bear with one shot, which is pretty incredible. And he felt a lot of relief. And for a few seconds, he even felt happy about it because he came there to hunt and he hunted. You know, he killed the bear. But he really didn't know all the wounds he had, so he had to figure out what damage had been done and what he could do to get himself out of there. A mile and a half away, Bram's father and brother had already arrived back at camp. They hadn't seen Bram for nearly two hours at that point, and the storm that they were waiting for had begun. It was cold, and they had everything a storm could have. It had rain, sleet, snow, thunder, lightning, big winds. Like, it was not great. I mean, it took a while to get to that point, but it was a big storm. Dennis asked everyone at the camp if they had seen Bram or heard from him, and when no one had, he knew that something was wrong. Dennis knew Bram wasn't lost because he had a compass and he knew how to get around. I mean, he had taught him himself. So he and his son decided they should go out and look for him because he felt like something had to be wrong. Back up on the mountain, Bram was still laying where the bear had dropped him, taking stock of his wounds. Adrenaline was still pumping through his body, so he had no idea how badly he had been hurt. At that point, he knew his shoulder had been hurt and his head was bleeding, but that was all he could really tell. But Bram had been savagely mauled. The bear had ripped his scalp and had bitten deep into several parts of his body. When Bram finally decided to stand up, he was in for a massive shock, because this was the first time he would see his leg. And just a quick warning, this is gross. This next part, pretty gross. His right thigh had been ripped from the bone. Like detached? Yeah, like the muscle had was folded over and was like hanging down. Oh. Yeah, his upper thigh had been shredded. And when he took a step, he saw that most of it wasn't attached to his body. And it looked like slabs of meat that were just like hanging over his knee. Okay, but his legs aren't broken? I guess not. No, not the bone. But just, I mean, the bear was like tearing into his like flesh. Yeah. And he could see his artery in his leg pulsing. Oh. So his leg was basically torn in half. He's a high school quarterback. Just a football person. I don't know what his... I mean, my point is that his leg's probably pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. He's an athlete for sure. Yeah. 
So that was a big shock because at that point he couldn't really feel it until he looked down and saw it. And then he was like, oh my God. And then it kind of sunk in. Whoa. Yeah. It just chills, man. Adrenaline is one hell of a drug. Yeah. Again, this is pretty gross, but Bram sat down and he said he quote unquote pulled the meat back up and put it back in the hole. Oh, God. That's what he said. He wrapped his orange hunter's vest around his leg and tied it to make a tourniquet to hold everything together and hopefully stop some of the bleeding. He did finally feel that pain now that he could see his leg and tightening the vest around his leg was excruciatingly painful. After tying the vest around his leg, he shot three shots in the air, which was something he was taught to do in hunter safety as a universal sign of distress. He also screamed for help, but what was even worse for Bram was that it was already storming. So although his father and brother were climbing the mountain searching for him, they couldn't hear his cries or his shots for help. They couldn't hear the gunshots? No. I mean, they were pretty far away from where Bram was, and the storm was really loud. Like, it was raining, it was windy, it was thundering, it was lightning, and they were far away. Yeah, that makes sense. His father had been calling out for Bram, but the storm was getting worse and worse. The wind started blowing at about 30 miles an hour, and it was a downpour, so they couldn't hear anything. Bram's father was thinking Bram must have fallen somewhere and potentially broken his leg or something. At least that's kind of what he was hoping. Obviously, he knows there are bears on the mountain, and that is also a possibility that his son was mauled, but he's not going to let his brain go there yet, you know? But even if Bram had fallen somewhere and just broken his leg, with this storm, the situation was becoming life-threatening. When no one had responded to his distress shots, Bram's hope of being found started to fade. He started to really beat himself up. He felt like an idiot, and he told himself that no one was going to come get him, and this was his fault. He also thought that when he was hunting, he would hear three shots all the time, but he never went looking for anyone. So even if someone had heard his shots, why would they come looking for him? He had to figure out what he was going to do, so he decided he had to get up and get going. Although when he stood up, he realized that walking with the injuries he had was going to be next to impossible. But at the same time, if he didn't get off the mountain soon, his injuries would kill him. So his plan was to try to head toward camp. But to do that, he would have had to go uphill. And there was no way he would be able to make it uphill with his leg the way that it was. He said if he kept his knee straight, he could kind of use that leg. But he had to use his gun kind of like a crutch as he slowly limped along. So he's just like gun in the ground, limping with this like... Uphill. No, he couldn't go uphill, so he had to go downhill and just hope that someone would find him. He picked a direction where he knew he would eventually come across a trail, and he just headed that way. The storm was only getting worse, and Bram was pretty pissed off at the world right about then, and he stayed mad for quite a while as he fought through the brush and the storm, continuously calling out for help. And actually, Bram's anger was kind of fueling the adrenaline that was pumping through his system, which was actually helping him. The emotion to be when you're in a survival situation is probably mad. At least you know? in this situation, the anger and the like just pure rage that was driving him forward was keeping his wounds from feeling so terrible and also keeping him going. Yeah. And he had something to focus on, you know? Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's good to be mad. The journey was really difficult. He fell multiple times, and although he wasn't feeling the extent of his injuries just yet, he definitely felt a lot of pain. 
A few times he thought about sitting down and just quitting, but he said he's about as stubborn as they come, so quitting wasn't an option. Very mountain man, you know? Yeah, very 18-year-old boy. You know? <laughs> yeah, 18-year-old boy mountain man type is the vibe. He felt like if he didn't keep going, no one would ever find him and he wouldn't make it out of there. So he fired another three distress shots, but still no one heard them. The thunder and lightning were keeping anyone from hearing him. And as night fell, the storm only got worse. Yeah, this is one of those things where I have to keep reminding myself that there's like a massive storm happening because I feel like being mauled by a bear is bad enough. But he's also just like wandering through the darkness in the brush with thunder and lightning and hail and sleet and rain. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, it's the worst scenario. It's like, what else could there be? Yeah. Know? The only thing worse would be getting mauled by a bear again. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that would really make you mad at the world. You're like, really? <laughs> yeah. Twice? Yeah, that'd be pretty messed up. Meanwhile, earlier that day, father and son duo, Bruce and Bryce, Paisky, I hope that's the right way to pronounce that, had also been on the mountain looking for elk. But like the other group, they hadn't had any luck either. And earlier that day, on their way to try to find a new spot to hunt, Bruce spotted something that made him very nervous. He had seen a lot of bear signs, like scratch marks on the trees and footprints on the ground and droppings. It was just, it seemed like there were a lot of bears around. And it was recent marks as well. So the hair on the back of his neck started to stand because he knew he was in a dangerous situation. After that, he wanted to get him and his son off of that mountain as quickly as possible because he didn't want to have to have a run-in with a bear. Wait, they, they don't know this father-son duo? No, this is a completely okay. separate father-son duo from Bram and his father and their friends. Okay. They're just also hunting on the mountain. I just happen to be there. Yeah. It's part of the story. Go on the, the journey. Story. Well, I just, I didn't know because I kind of forgot the names of the other people. That's fair. It is a lot of people to keep track of. So, yeah. So Bruce, who is the father, is noticing that there's a lot of bears. And he's like, uh-oh, we got to get out of here. Is he actually seeing them or is he just seeing tracks? And he's seeing like signs. Poop. He's seeing like scratches and droppings and footprints. And so he wanted to get his son off of the mountain as quickly as possible. But for them, that meant heading straight down the mountain through unknown territory. It wasn't like a marked trail. It was just like brush. They figured that would be their best bet, though, and once they made it down, they could find a trail that would lead them back to their camp just a couple miles away. So they're like, we'll be fine. As they walked, Bruce still felt like something was very wrong, but he chalked it up to the fact that he didn't know where they were going, and he was just worried about getting lost. He was also worried that they would stumble upon a bear at any moment because they were going through the thick brush and they couldn't really see too far ahead of them. So he made a lot of noise as they walked. That way they wouldn't be a surprise to anything in the area. He was just yelling things like, okay, bear, here we come, as they walked. And if we fast forward to where we left off with Bram, Bruce and Bryce were also still out in the forest in the storm looking for a trail that would lead them back to their camp. So they're kind of lost. In the dark and the rain, Bruce was very worried about getting lost out in bear country all night. Bryce wanted to use a flashlight to find their way, but Bruce told him no, because if they got lost, they needed their batteries to be full. And that kind of made me giggle a little bit because it seems like they're lost now. Yeah. But <laughs> Bruce is very much the dad who's like, we're not lost, <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, I guess when you're 
kind of walking through just wilderness, you have more of an excuse. Yeah, you can kind of trick yourself a little bit. It's easier. You're not like actually on the wrong freeway. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, he did know at some point they would hit a trail. So they're just kind of walking straight down. So they were kind of lost, but they also kind of weren't. They're just following the plan longer than they thought. Yes, exactly. That's exactly right. (laughs) Right. So Bruce just told his son to stay close. That way they could see each other as they walked, since they're not using that battery in the flashlight. On the other side of the mountain, Bram's father was combing the area with his other son and two other hunters who came with him to look for Bram. And after some time of looking, the temperature had dropped to about 10 degrees Fahrenheit or about negative 12 degrees Celsius. And it's windy. Yes. And it's snowing. Yes. Sleeting, which is even worse. <laughs> oh, so it's not completely frozen? No. Dude, that's... It's the worst. Yeah. Yeah. And Bram was still nowhere to be found. They were also shooting and yelling for him, but they were still too far away from each other to hear them. Dennis knew Bram might not hear his distress shots through the storm, but he was just hoping the skills he had taught his son to survive would be enough for him. Dennis taught him how to get under a shelter without a fire, and if you were caught in cold weather, you should walk to keep warm. Even if you just walk in a circle, you should walk until daylight, is what he taught his son to do. But Bram's leg was so badly mauled that walking down the steep mountain slope was next to impossible. With every fall he took, he risked tearing the exposed artery in his leg, and if it burst, he would bleed to death in minutes. Yeah, I was going to say, he got lucky that his artery didn't get nicked. Yeah. In the leg. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, think about it. He's, like, limping through the forest, and he's not upright the entire time. Like, he's falling and getting back up and falling and getting back up, and he just has an exposed artery. Like, he could, it could burst at any moment. Yeah. And it was around that time that he realized how slim his chances of survival really were. He was starting to think to himself that he wasn't going to make it off that mountain. But help was closer than he realized, because just a bit further down the mountain, Bryce and Bruce had finally stumbled upon Rock Creek Trail, which would take them back to their camp. But right after finding the trail, Bruce told his son that they should take a short break to regroup before they kept going, because they had been hiking through the woods for a good amount of time and he's like we need to breathe for, for just a second yeah and a long enough time to make you question if you're really lost <laughs> right no they found a trail they're no longer lost they were just both tired and on edge from their journey and bruce was still nervous that they were out in the open but they needed to rest for just a minute bruce's fears were only made worse by the fact that he and his son had both been using old-fashioned muzzle-loading rifles <laughs> <laughs> why Bruce liked those guns because they were fun to use, and he said they were kind of like shooting with a bow and arrow. It's like a very primitive weapon, and you only get one shot with it. So he's like, this is great. This is fun. And they were hunting elk. They're not hunting bears, you know? Yeah, but you're in bear country, dude. I mean, guess what else is hunting the elk? (laughs) That's true. But I'm sure he had like bear spray, you know? Yeah. But that's just so funny to me that the literally the weapon that takes the longest to yes. load <laughs> right. is the one you've chosen. Yes, he has to like load it in the top of the gun, tamp it down, like yeah, just crazy. Have you ever heard that bit? I forget which comedian does it, but it's basically like, well, no wonder nobody shot each other back in the 1800s because oh, you had so much time to cool down, <laughs> you know, if you're really mad funny. at somebody. That is funny. Uh, but the the other problem about these guns is not only do they take a long ass time to reload, but if the powder gets wet, 
the gun is useless. <laughs> Again. <laughs> and they're maybe. in a storm. Yeah. So the two of them were sitting in the rain and Bruce decided that they better test out the gun to see if it would work while they were all wet because he's like, all right, we got to know if this is going to work. So he stood up and he took a shot in the dark, literally. And thank goodness he did because Bram, who was not too far off, heard that shot and sent off a shot back. Bruce thought that this was just his friend Dave because he and his son had been an hour late for dinner at that point and he thought it was Dave calling out to him. So he starts calling out to Dave thinking his friend is nearby and Bram, hearing these shouts, starts walking slowly in that direction and he calls out, help me. And Bruce heard this voice in the wind, but he couldn't hear what it was saying. All he knew was that it sounded frantic, which was when he knew it probably wasn't Dave because there was no reason Dave would be sounding frantic knowing that he had found his friends. So knowing that help was nearby, Bram became a little bit relaxed, but that put him in even more danger because that was when his body started to really feel everything he had been through. He didn't have to do it on his own anymore, so his body started shutting down. He started shivering very hard and was having a hard time moving forward. But if he lost consciousness, then Bruce and Bryce might not have found him until it was too late. Bruce still had no idea what was going on because he heard these frantic calls back to him, but still he couldn't hear what it was saying because of the storm. So he told Bryce to shine his flashlight up the hill to show Dave where they were at. And he kept yelling to Dave, but the wind was still so terrible. And finally, he heard the scream back say, help me, I've been attacked by a bear. And Bruce's stomach drops because his fear of a bear was just confirmed. He knew he had to go help whoever it was, but he also didn't know if the bear was still around. Like, typically, you don't just kill the bear. Like, right. that's not normal. So he's like, okay, someone has been mauled and also there's a bear in the area. Who's mauling people. Yes, exactly. But he and Bryce started going in that direction of the screams. Bruce was hesitant as they climbed because he didn't want to lead his son into a potential bear attack. So Bruce screamed up the hill, where are you? And all Bram could get out was, help me, please. As they climbed, they shined a flashlight forward and they caught a glimpse of something red, which was Bram's blood, which he was covered in, but they thought that it was bear eyes because apparently they shine red in the darkness with a flashlight. Did you know that? Really? It's red. Isn't that I mean, the most like cliche bear in the dark thing you could see? Red eyes? I guess that's why they you know, show like eyes in the darkness as red, right? Or yellow, yeah. I guess. But I don't know. They thought it was bear. Yeah. That's bear. fucking terrifying. <laughs> yeah. So they knew that if this bear was still attacking Bram, they had to act fast. And as they got closer, they saw that it was just Bram standing there, shivering intensely, covered in blood, with his thigh once again folded down as he's asking for help. Because I guess his vest wasn't holding it together well enough. Oh, God. So, yeah. Bruce told Bram to stay where he was and they would come to him. And as they approached, they asked where the bear was. And Bram told them the bear was dead. <laughs> which is great news yeah I, i'm just i would be laughing if they were like really one shot really i don't think so you're 18 you right <laughs> i don't think so bram no but they were very relieved to find out that the bear was no longer a threat at least not yeah. that bear bruce had no idea what to do 
And Bram could see the color leaving Bruce's face when he laid eyes on him for the first time because he was a very shocking sight. I mean, he's covered in blood. His body is hanging off its its own bones. Like, it's not a good sight. But at the same time, Bruce never acted panicky in front of Bram, but Bram could tell that this was a lot to take in. Yeah. Even though he looked like hell, Bruce knew he had to reassure him that it would all be okay. So he told Bram he would be fine. And also, Bryce is like 19 years old or 18 years old as well. So like to Bruce, seeing Bram like this, it's like seeing his kid. You know, he's like an 18-year-old kid. He has an 18-year-old son. So he's like, okay, I'm now your father and we're going to get you out of here. (laughs) Well, thank God for him. I mean, I just, I can't imagine your, the word hunk Hunk? is... uh, like a hunk, like your, uh, like your, th- your hunk is hanging off oh, your leg. I thought you meant like that's a hunk. Like, <laughs> no. I, th- I thought you were talking about like, ooh, daddy. You know? No. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> no, no. That's really funny. That was the first of thing in my mind. Of course, you heard hunk that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, nobody calls it a hunk of flesh. I guess I they did. Do. You just did. That's why I All said right. hunk. All I right, said never mind. the word hunk. I stand corrected. I My brain went somewhere wrong, and I apologize for that. <laughs> but I'm just picturing like a piece of ham Ew. hanging off your fucking leg. Trigger warning. <laughs> that is nasty. Yeah, it was a bad thing to see. I can't imagine seeing it in real but, life. Like even just the reenactment of it was oh, like yeah. too much, you know? Too much. Okay. Well, I can't... Then props to uh, Bruce for not losing it. Yeah. And kind of keeping it together for him. Yeah. Even though Bram was like, he could tell that this was a lot to take in. Bruce never cracked in what he said, at least. He wasn't like, oh my God, what the hell? He was like, it's okay. You're going to be fine. Going to be fine, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is he an EMT or something? No, he's a contractor. Oh. So Bruce asked for Bram's name and then he told him that they would get him off the mountain and back to camp. The whole time, Bruce had to tell himself not to freak out, but there was nobody else on this mountain, so it was up to him. And like I said, Bryce was only about 18 or 19 years old at the time, so Bruce decided that he would carry Bram. He was in good shape, and he was a painting contractor, and for his job, he was constantly up and down ladders, carrying heavy things, so he felt like he could do it. But he had no idea how hard that would actually be. A mile away, on the other side of the mountain, Bram's father was still looking for his son. And every minute that went by, his anxiety only got worse, just thinking about what terrible thing could have happened to his son. Dennis wasn't going to give up, but the other men knew their chances of finding him at night in a raging storm were extremely slim. On the other side of the mountain, Bruce was struggling a lot carrying Bram. He had to stop and put him down multiple times on their journey. He had no idea how he was going to continue carrying him like that, but he also told himself he couldn't give up even if he wanted to. He had to get this kid to safety. As they went, Bruce could feel that Bram's shivering was getting worse. He was in severe shock, and his body temperature had been dropping. So Bruce took off his raincoat and wrapped it around Bram to try to keep him as warm as possible. And he held him close to his body and told Bram every time they stopped and he would stand him up, he would hold him close to keep him warm. Once the break was done, Bruce would then pick him back up and they would keep going forward. But the relentless storm and the slippery ground was not making it easy on them. So only a few minutes later, Bruce had to stop again and put him down. 
He had only made it about 50 yards, but he was exhausted and breathing very heavily and sweating buckets, even in this cold storm. But he couldn't give up. He had to get Bram off the mountain fast, and if he didn't, he would die. He then fired off his last three rounds he had in his pistol to get more help. And surprisingly enough, another person nearby heard the gunshot. Wow, I mean, there seems to be a lot of people out in the storm, huh? It's hunting season, baby. I guess, but I don't know. You made it sound really remote. Well, it felt very remote, but there were other hunters on the mountain, thankfully. Okay, yeah, thank God. Yeah. Dr. Andy Wolf was in a tent. Dr. Andy Wolf heard the shot? Yes. Dude, he's a doctor? Like, how yes. lucky is that? I know. That you find another person one and that the person is a doctor yeah well so when i was doing research and it said dr andy wolf my brain for whatever reason didn't even register that he was like a medical doctor i thought he was just like you got a doctorate you know like a in something. Or yeah because he no shade to him he's a cute guy but he just doesn't he, he was giving nerd you know and i guess doctors can be nerds but he, he just looked like a professor to me so in my mind i was mm. like professor andy wolf and then when they were like, he's a doctor, I was like, oh my God, thank God he's a doctor. <laughs> that was just my little I had the tangent. same reaction just in less time, I'm yes, sure. <laughs> yes, very much less time. So Dr. Andy Wolf was in a tent nearby. And when he heard the first shot, he thought how crazy someone must have been to be shooting elk in the dark in a storm. But when he heard the second and the third shot, he knew something was very wrong. He figured someone must have been disoriented out there, so he would go and find them and help them off the mountain. He knew there were others camping nearby, so he went to their campsite to get them to help him form a search party. He knew better than to go up on that mountain in the dark by himself. Fair enough. Yes. So joined by the other hunters, Andy Wolf headed up the mountain in the whipping wind and rain, and the storm was so loud they had to shout at each other to even hear the person that was just two feet away from them. Like, that's how loud... The storm was so two feet away you can't even hear someone they were yelling to each other yeah because it was like thundering lightning raining hard Damn. wind yeah yeah i kind of forgot like you i don't know in the telling of the story we we must kind of forget how bad it actually that's, is that's what i said earlier it's like 10 degrees and it's not even it's wet way way wet very yeah. wet continuous wet yeah that's what i was saying earlier is like i have to keep reminding myself that not only was he mauled by a bear but it's also a massive storm that could be deadly on its own you know you're like on a mountain in the dark yeah there's like no worse recipe for losing heat yeah is wind and wet rain yes wet cold rain yes and then also like tear open your body and then be like stay yeah. warm but you can't yeah let the arteries see the light of day oh That's... god <sighs> no thank you Bruce was completely unaware that anyone had heard his distress signal, so he, Bryce, and Bram continued down the mountain. He was still holding Bram in a fireman's carry and having to stop every few minutes to catch his breath. He is doing this without slipping. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, he had to put him down a lot, and I'm sure he did slip a few times. Like, he's carrying a whole man. Yeah, I'm sure, but it doesn't sound like there was any major tumble of note. No, yeah, that's a good way to put it. No yeah. major tumble of note. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were less than a mile from Bruce's camp at that point, but Bram's condition was rapidly getting worse. Bruce said there were several times while he was carrying Bram that he felt like he was carrying a dead man. So much so that he would have to stop at that moment to get Bram on his feet and keep him coherent. 
So he would have to like put him on the ground, shake him a little bit and be like, stay awake, do not die. And then put him back on his shoulder and keep going. I mean, that's just, that's so scary that you're shaking someone to not die. Yeah. And you have to do it every minute. Yeah, just about. Yeah, he would shout at Bram to keep him with them and he would go in and out of consciousness, but Bruce would scream at him not to give up. About 45 minutes after Bruce sent out that distress signal, Bryce spotted the search party with Andy Wolf. They were extremely relieved, and Bruce shouted at Bram it was going to be okay and he was going to make it. Andy and the group spotted them as well and heard their cries for help. And when Andy asked what happened, he was unprepared to see the state that Bram was in. But thankfully, Dr. Andy Wolf was a doctor, is what I wrote in my notes, because I didn't realize that Dr. Andy Wolf was a doctor. (laughs) But more specifically, he was a specialist in shock trauma. Are you kidding me? No. Isn't that amazing? uh, He's Dr. Hunt. Yeah, from Grey's Anatomy, he is Dr. Hunt. Is he a ginger? No, he's a brunette. Just question. Okay. Okay. Not relevant. He's a trauma guy. Yes, he he specializes in shock trauma. Uh, So he was made for this. Yes. He's like, put me in, coach. All right, let's, what does he do? So it didn't take him long to see how serious Bram's condition was, and he knew that he was going into shock, and that was very bad because shock alone kills people, and he was also losing a lot of blood. So if the shock didn't kill him, the blood loss would, and the odds were very stacked against Bram. When Dr. Wolf examined his thigh area, his heart dropped because he could see this kid's femoral artery like a garden hose. He knew that this kid on the ground in front of him was either going to lose his leg or his life, and they would be lucky if they saved his life. If that artery burst, he would be a dead man, no questions asked. So they had to get him off that mountain to save his life. They carried Bram to their camp, which was only a mile away from where Bram was attacked by the bear. Only a mile away? Yes, and it had taken him four hours to get there. He basically did one massive circle back to where he started. Isn't that crazy? He did a whole circle back to where he started. Well, I mean, for argument's sake, like he was where he got attacked by the bear was only a mile away from where Dr. Andy Wolf's camp was. And he he went the total opposite direction, found Bruce and Bryce, was fireman carried for hours. And now he's at this camp that was not too far away from where he was attacked. That's crazy. So once they get him there, two of the rescue party immediately left the camp to go and get some help. The nearest ranger station was about five miles away. But even if they made it there and called for air rescue, a helicopter wouldn't be able to fly in the storm, which meant Bram was still a long way away from safety. Bruce was incredibly relieved that they had gotten him into a camp because he felt like now he could actually try to save his life. Bram had lost most of his adrenaline, so he was feeling a lot more than he could earlier in the day. He was in a tremendous amount of pain, but according to Andy Wolf, Bram is a cowboy, quote unquote, and he wouldn't have complained if both of his arms were chewed off. Amen. Pretty cool. Yeah. Andy put a lot of antibiotics into him to try to stem any infections, but even if Bram survived the night, his injuries were bad enough that gangrene might set in, which would take his leg, and if not treated quickly, it could take his life. Bram was in a lot of pain, but he didn't know how badly things were for him, so he let his mind wander to his family. He worried about his dad and his brother because he knew they must be worried about him not knowing where he was. He was sure they would be looking for him, and that worried him because they could get hurt themselves. 
Once Bram was stabilized, Bruce decided he could finally take a moment for himself, and he let out what he had been keeping in in front of Bram. He cried for Bram, for Bram's father, and because the whole situation had just been so terrifying. Yeah. It's a miracle he kept it together the whole time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. After a night like that, you got to have a good cry. Yeah. You can't not have a good cry. Can't hold that in. Yeah. Up on the mountain, Dennis was still searching for his son. And by that time, he started thinking the worst. He felt like he may not be bringing Bram home, which was a terrible thought. Dennis's friends decided the conditions out there were too dangerous for them to continue looking, and they needed to wait until morning when it would be safer. Dennis told them he didn't care how long it took or how bad it got, he had to keep looking. But his friends convinced him that they were in more danger looking, and if he wanted to find his son, he had to be alive to do it. They took a vote, and Dennis lost, which meant they had to go back to camp for the rest of the night. Andy was still keeping Bram alive as best he could, but he soon recognized a new problem. Gas gangrene is a deadly poison produced by bacteria trapped in infected tissue, and Bram was looking like he had gas gangrene. It destroys flesh, blood cells, and blood vessels, and it can travel six inches in an hour. So it is very deadly. It travels really fast. Oh, I you mean in the tissue? Yes. Okay. Did you think I meant it ran away? Well, you said six gas. Inches? So I was like, oh, the gas moves six inches an hour? What the fuck? No, I mean it spreads to his other Understood. tissue. Yes. Understood now. Great. So if his femoral artery was being attacked by this bacteria, it would burst. So Bram was in serious trouble. Bram was laying there thinking he might lose his leg. And in the back of his mind, he was thinking he may die, but he was trying not to think about it. So he's not really letting himself go there. Andy had given Bram antibiotics and pain medication, but without stronger stuff, Bram would be dead within a few hours. The gas gangrene spreading to Bram's femoral artery was just as serious as the bear attack itself. Two miles away, Bram's father was back at camp with no idea what happened to his son. He spent the night anxiously waiting for the storm to stop and the sun to rise because his friends wouldn't let him leave the camp. It was agonizing not being able to do anything and knowing that something is wrong with your son who is out there in the storm. He felt like his heart was going to explode. He was so beside himself. Andy and Bruce were also spending their night worrying about Bram because there was a very good chance he wouldn't make it till morning. Bruce spent all his time trying to keep Bram from falling asleep. That way he didn't slip into a coma. Andy said he didn't know how long Bram would last, but at the level of care they could provide him, he wouldn't last much longer. All night, the two of them took care of Bram in any way they could, changing his bandage, looking out for help, giving him water, sitting with him, talking to him, anything they could. But help was still a long way away. The next morning, when the sun finally did rise and the storm let up, Bruce and Andy finally heard the chopping noise of a helicopter off in the distance. They had never been so happy to hear a helicopter in their lives. Just after sunrise, two rescue teams and a helicopter arrived at the camp at about the same time. And once Bram was loaded into the helicopter, Bruce sent a man from his group to find Bram's father. But Dennis had been searching since first light. Their plan was to go exactly where they had started the day before and work their way down the mountain. They agreed that if anyone found Bram, they would shoot off three shots and then they would shoot a fourth round to say, we found him alive. And after a few hours of searching, Dennis heard those four shots. Bruce's man had found one of Dennis's friends and told them what had happened. So when Dennis heard those four shots, 
he went running because now he knows his son is alive and he is over the moon. After getting to the Billings Hospital, Bram nearly lost his life. He had to go through special treatment to fight the gangrene in his leg and all the other wounds he was dealing with. It took 18 days for the doctors to save Bram's life, but they did. And miraculously, they even saved his leg. Isn't that cool? That's ins- So he had gas, gangrene, and they saved his leg. Yeah. He's got a really gnarly scar, but he has a leg. That's really lucky. Yeah. Dennis is extremely grateful to Bruce and Andy for saving his son's life. Bruce said he just did what he had to do. But since that day, he has always cared a lot about Bram. Because quite the trauma bond, you know? Right. (laughs) And what's crazy is Bruce and Bryce had been no more than 100 yards from the elk carcass that the bear had been feeding on earlier in the day. But they didn't see any bears, probably because they had already been feeding on the carcass. But they just never got between a bear and its cubs, so they were fine. But they were very close to the area where Bram was attacked. Yeah, I mean, they got really lucky. Yeah. That's 100 yards, like one football field. Yeah. Away from a bear. Who's like feeding on an elk with its cub. That's too close. Yeah, too close for comfort. Bruce thinks they were extremely lucky in finding Bram. He said the whole thing was meant to be. I know I was pointed to that guy. There's something else he was meant to do. He wasn't supposed to die. I mean, think about it. Like Bram found them Mm -hmm. in the middle of the night in a storm after he had been mauled by a bear. They just so happened to be close enough that they could hear his like shot. Yeah. Or he heard their shot, whatever. In a storm. Yes. They were that close to each other. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. I mean, it does make you think. Like, I get why he feels that way. Like, he must have been meant to do something more. Yeah. Pretty. It just, it just, it doesn't make any sense that he lived. Yeah. And and it's a big. Kept his leg. Yeah. It's a big mountain, too. So, like, although there were hunters on the mountain, there were so many of them couldn't hear each other. You know, they had enough space to have breathing room. So it is cool that they were able to be in the same spot at the same time in such a like dire moment, you know? Yeah. After Bram left the hospital, doctors told him he may never be able to ride a horse again, but riding was such a huge part of Bram's life. So it was less than two months before he got on a horse and rode again. I love that. I love because, I mean, the doctors are going to come out and give you the worst case scenario, right? Yeah. Very conservative. Right. But I just, I love proving them wrong. I love yeah. the stories where that happens. Absolutely. Two months. Yeah. He's back on a horse. Yes. After mauled by a bear. After what happened to his leg. Yeah. What? I it I mean, the doctors were like, you probably won't. And he was like, bet. Yeah, bet. I fam. will. Yeah. So since the attack, he's been able to do just about everything he could before the attack. He has had no lasting injuries. And today he is a father himself and plans to take his own son to that very same mountain someday. And that is the story of Bram Schaefer and how he got attacked by a bear, but lived and thrived. Well, and we love that. Shout out! I mean, yeah, that's crazy that he he took. He's gonna take him back to the same mountain. Yeah, I mean, he's a hunter. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, I just every piece of it is just so unlikely. Yeah, I was also just thinking about it was also extremely lucky for him to shoot the bear in the way that he did because i mean he was 18 years old i'm sure he was Mm -hmm. a skilled hunter but like that is an extremely hard thing to do and he was post being mauled by a bear he shot it after he was mauled yeah and the bear is moving like it's running yes it's like that's luck yeah that's not that's not skill at that point that's luck yeah so he got incredibly lucky. Like truly, we have said this on so many episodes, but like the luckiest of the unlucky 
Like, yeah. that's really what this is. Yeah. <laughs> Aside from the whole mauling part, right. everything after that, he was really lucky. Right. Aside from getting your muscle torn from your leg, <laughs> it's a pretty lucky day. Yeah, it's graphic. It, yeah, it's pretty nasty. Sorry. Yeah. Well, it is what it is. It is what happened. Um, and also lucky that his artery didn't burst. Yeah, when you can see it. Yeah. I mean, how much stuff is left to keep it in? Not nothing. It was it was visible. He could see it. Yeah. He's got like sausage casing. That's it. Right. I mean. And I mean, the amount of falls that he took on the way to finding Bruce and Bryce, like there's no reason he should still be alive. You know? Yeah, no. It's crazy. And I was just thinking about how weird it is that just any random human can find another human like in a state of distress like Bruce did. Mm -hmm. And then it almost becomes like that's your kid. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it very much was like that for him because like I said, like his son was Bram's age and he stumbled upon this kid in the woods who had been attacked. Like, of course, you're going to take on a fatherly role with that, you know? Yeah, I, I, it's just like crazy to me. I don't know if any other species kind of does that, you know. I you think there of... are there are like certain animals where like if there's an abandoned baby animal, they'll give it to another one and then they take really? it on as their own. Yeah, that's a thing. Mm. Yeah, okay. Maybe it's not that unique, you know. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> fuck <but> me. <laughs> maybe maybe not unique, but beautiful nonetheless. Yeah, true. Uh, it is really what seems to have happened, especially he breaks down crying, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. But I mean, it's it, traumatic otherwise. Yeah. But you know. How could you not? To see your son in him. Yeah. Is a whole nother level. Absolutely. 100%. But anyway, do you have anything else you want to say about this story? Or should we wrap it up here? No. Amazing. I'm I think glad he survived and kept his legs and still riding horses. Me too. True cowboy. That's so amazing. Truly. A, a very true cowboy through and through. And also, I think it's adorable that now he has a son and he wants to take him hunting like it's just circle of life circle of life you know? baby. very circle of life very cute vibes today i know um but anyway that is the story why don't we have a bit of a palate cleanser what is your good thing my good thing is that we are having dinner with our friends tomorrow they're coming over and we're making honey mustard chicken i <laughs> yes. think I don't know. Yeah, we love having friends over. We love a dinner party. We're, I love we're a dinner very, party. We're very, very dinner party people. We like hosting, mm -hmm. um, which is fun. Yeah. Very, very lovely. Lovely. Good. That is a good thing. What's your good thing? My good thing is that we actually left our apartment <laughs> <laughs> in the week. We went out on a Wednesday night and got crazy. And by crazy, I mean we just like had a cider and a mead at a bar <laughs> but like the fact that we left our apartment on a weeknight is huge for us and uh yeah. when we got home i kind of felt like it was a weekend but it was not which no. is fine i don't know i like it was a nice way to like break up the week and like have a little bit of change of scenery which was lovely yeah like, like breaking news leaving the apartment <laughs> is cool but listen <laughs> listen when you are when it's winter time and you know your friends are busy and stuff yeah leaving the apartment in the middle of the week is big news it's it's big news when it's michigan in february or exactly January. yeah but anyway thank you guys so much for listening if you would like to hear a bunch of bonus episodes and vote on stories you want to hear check us out on patreon at patreon.com slash not today podcast 
If you would like some merch, we have some really cool merch that is available now at nottodaypodcast.myshopify.com. If you would like to see the pictures we post of all the stories we talk about, check us out on Instagram at nottoday underscore podcast. If you or anyone you know has a story of survival that you'd like to share with us and possibly hear on an upcoming listener's episode, send it to nottodaypodcast at gmail.com. We have a TikTok that is not today podcast and a Twitter that is not, that is not today podcast, but the T on the end of podcast is a three. Oh my God, there's so many things now. Because that makes sense. And just keep breathing. Yeah. Yeah. 